0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today I'm happy to be joined by Drs. Rachel Georgopoulos, a pediatric otolaryngologist and director of the Thyroid Hope Center. and. Dr. Stephanie Thomas, a pediatric hematologist and oncologist at Cleveland Clinic Children's. Stephanie was previously a guest on this podcast to discuss cancer in the AYA population. They're here today to talk to us about the rise in pediatric thyroid cancers and the Thyroid Hope Center. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much.
0: So maybe to start, you can give us a little bit of an idea of your roles here. So Rachel, maybe we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, as, as you heard, I'm a pediatric otolaryngologist and director of our Thyroid Hope Center, which is the neck Oncology Pediatric Endocrine Center uh, here at the clinic.
0: All right, excellent. And Stephanie, remind us what you do here.
2: Um, I'm a pediatric oncologist, um, and I see thyroid cancer patients uh, with Rachel and uh, mostly are involved in their care when they require systemic treatment outside of normal surgery and um, radioactive iodine treatment.
0: Excellent. So we're talking about pediatric thyroid cancers, and and we'll talk about the the Hope Center and a little bit about that. But let's start off sort of a more of a, a basic level. We're talking about pediatric thyroid cancer, which may be something people don't immediately think of, but the rates are rising. And so tell us a little bit about that. So Rachel, maybe give us a little background on, on pediatric thyroid cancers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think to start off it's probably important to mention that you know pediatric thyroid cancer and adult thyroid cancer really can be thought of as different entities and you know there has been a rise both in adult and pediatric thyroid cancers a lot of the adult thyroid cancer rise is attributable to increased detection uh, of cancers In the pediatric population, there have been, um, you know, a few studies that have suggested that it's not only early detection that we have been seeing this rise because we're seeing an increase in tumors in varying sizes, varying stages, but there's probably more to it than that. And so I just wanted to right off the bat point out that they are very different uh, clinical entities, Um, but yeah, no, definitely an increase in, in the rise in both the adult and pediatric population.
0: And so, Stephanie, do we have any ideas as to why there might be this increase in pediatric uh, patients? Certainly, we do more imaging, like as, as was mentioned in adults, but you know, it's something we we don't typically do as much in children. so so, why more?
2: Yeah, like what Rachel said, you know, possibly part of it is screening. there are are more kids now uh, detected potentially with oncologic syndromes that would give them a greater increase uh, possibility of having thyroid cancers that they are inherited and uh, screening earlier so that we're able to screen those patients. So that's possibly part of it. Um, additionally, there are some thoughts that there are environmental reasons that could be, we could be seeing this rise in, in pediatric patients. So I, I don't think it is super well understood at this point. I think um, the adult literature is a little bit more conclusive in terms of it being really more of earlier detection. I think this is a combination of potentially some earlier detection, some environmental causes, and then also heritable diseases that we're then screening for maybe picking things up a little bit earlier.
1: If I can add something um, to that, you know, I think that this also probably a little bit speaks to the fact that, you know, we are seeing patients um, who are surviving things like other, you know, cancers that they're diagnosed with and having been treated with radiation or kids who have... Pretty significant cardiac anomalies and maybe requiring lots of imaging, which um, speaks to one of what uh, Dr. Thomas was saying with you know that environmental exposure that you know we're seeing kids that may have had uh, increased radiation exposure at a younger age, then going on to develop these thyroid malignancies is probably one of the contributing factors.
0: Gotcha. So as we've detected more cases of pediatric cancer, has there been a any shift at all in terms of the treatments available, or are we still treating them pretty much the same way we always have?
1: Yeah. So, um, actually, the ATA or American Thyroid Association has come up with a specific set of guidelines in terms of treatment. The treatment, as you know, Dr. Thomas had alluded to earlier on in the talk, traditionally is surgical management um, followed by potentially radio radioactive iodine if necessary. Um, But what I'd like to, you know, draw attention to, you know, is that pediatric thyroid cancer tends to more commonly be multifocal than in comparison to the adult counterparts, meaning that even if you have a thyroid nodule or tumor in one of the thyroid lobes, it's not uncommon that you'll see micrometastases within the thyroid on the other side. More common or it's recommended that Then those children require total thyroidectomy as opposed to things like lobectomy, which you'll think about in adults. But also, children tend to have a higher propensity for having metastasis to the central compartment or even to the lateral necks. And so you know, and speaking of that, because of that review of the literature, the development of that ATA guidelines, um, the treatment is still surgical management, but I would say that we're probably better at being more aggressive up front um, in how we manage
0: those patients. So, Stephanie, when you think about something that's fairly rare, but important to make sure we catch, um, what kind of guidance can you give in terms of You know, providers that might be listening, like, what what would be the things that they should be thinking that would trigger them to look for a thyroid cancer? It's becoming more prevalent. It sounds like they need to be looking and more mindful of it.
2: You know, we've seen patients recently that have definitely caught their their thyroid cancers on exam. So, doing uh, good thyroid exams as part of your physical exam which I don't think is something as a pediatrician that I really focused on doing, honestly, and I think maybe there, there is more importance of that now as we're seeing this, this increase. Um, I think uh, identifying patients that are high risk, so those that have environmental exposures, including prior chemotherapy, prior radiation, um, and making sure that the guidelines are followed to, to be able to, to see if those patients are developing Um, thyroid nodules would be very uh, helpful and additionally if anyone does have any cancer predisposition syndromes um, getting those patients into multidisciplinary clinics where it is standard to to do these screening tests would be really important in the pediatric age range. All
0: right so we're talking about multidisciplinary care so Rachel tell us a little bit about what we have set up here at Cleveland Clinic with this Thyroid Hope Center. Um, The Thyroid Hope
1: Center um, in reference to our you know pediatric thyroid cancer patients is uh, an appointment where you'll see both myself as well as the pediatric endocrinologist. Um, We will do a meeting with our radiologist and we'll review all imaging, including, uh, and most commonly what's done is ultrasounds. Oftentimes we'll try to, you know, if necessary, also get our wonderful pediatric oncology colleagues um, to see the patients as well, especially if um, they've had surgery or they have a a genetic predisposition or a family history um, where you know uh, assessing the tumor for tumor biomarkers would be important
0: and so during that uh, that that appointment um, is there's the, the the focus is sort of on developing a game plan a treatment plan and is that is that normally treatment that is delivered here at the clinic or is it sort of a sometimes uh, patients may travel from a distance and then you're coordinating care with other facilities
1: Um, So we've had a combination. I've definitely had patients come from a distance um, for care here. What we try to do is make it as easy as possible for patients, especially those that are trapping, but all patients. Um, And so prior, you know, to their uh, surgery... Um, and then we see patients who have been diagnosed with thyroid cancer um, at intervals usually uh, every six months for a um, particular period of time, depending on the, how aggressive their cancer tumor is. And so we'll coordinate imaging day of, as well as lab work, as well as their appointments.
2: And. To, to add a little bit to that, I think what is really great about the HOPE Center is that in the moment and at that one visit, they get to see endocrinology and they get to see um, the ENT doctors and, and we also are able to jump in if we need to, but that all of the surgery um, is done here with expert care at Cleveland Clinic. The radioactive iodine is done here at Cleveland Clinic. We have a few clinical trials open for novel drugs that if we do need to do systemic therapy, that can be given here as well. So we're able to really provide uh, the full range of treatment here at Cleveland Clinic at part of that HOPE Center. And if you can get the patients into basically any of us, um, we're able to navigate and get them into the whole kind of uh, system at large.
0: Is there a particular characteristic of a patient that would be best suited to be seen at the Hope Center or pretty much any patient with a diagnosis of thyroid cancer would benefit?
1: You know, we I would say any patient with thyroid cancer. I, and I get referrals a lot for patients with a concern. So we see patients even prior to diagnosis. So patients with a thyroid mass or nodule that um, we're working up as well.
0: Now, Stephanie, you mentioned about um, trials and novel drugs and We've also discussed here so far that things like radiation can actually lead to predisposition for thyroid cancer. So I'm guessing that patients, providers, everybody involved is a little nervous about giving radiation as a treatment. Is the effort to try to eliminate the need for radioactive iodine, or are these more for patients who have failed radioactive iodine?
2: Typically for patients where radioactive iodine has not been effective or the the tumors themselves don't seem to be uptaking iodine as, as they should. I know in pediatric cases, we are less likely to want to do re-irradiation with iodine um, compared to some of our adult colleagues who do it a little bit more aggressively because of those concerns for long-term effects. I hope there, there are some uh, planned phase three kind of clinical trials that are coming up that are potentially bringing some of these novel therapies based on the genetic factors in the, the thyroid cancers themselves up front. So potentially being able to spare some of these younger patients, um, radioactive iodine treatment, we're not quite there yet. But I, I I think that's where people want to go because a, a lot of these drugs are actually very well tolerated in kids, and if we can move to um, a less toxic treatment regimen, I think everyone would be very happy.
0: And I guess uh, along with that, you know, everybody uh, everybody asks, so I'll ask you: What role of immunotherapy?
2: There's um there's not a, a ton uh, right now. There's definitely tar- targeted drugs, but not necessarily immunotherapy. That at least I've seen. I don't know if Rachel, if you've seen other data. No, I have not.
0: So, from Rachel, from a surgical standpoint, is there anything that's particularly novel that's coming along in terms of uh, minimizing risk for patients, increasing uh, you know safety, decreasing length of stays, are, are there surgical advances in thyroid cancer for children?
1: Um, You know, I'll tell you that we do um, do the surgeries with um, what's called a nerve monitor. I don't know that it's, uh, you know, anything particularly new, but um, something more routine and definitely recommended, and that is um, to hopefully help uh, minimize any kind of risks to the recurrent laryngeal nerve, which is, um, you know, I'd say one of the, you know, biggest things that people worry about with thyroidectomy procedures. Now, there are some people that are doing things like taking, you know, thyroids out you know, in different ways, like through submentally and through, you know, the mouth and those types of things. We're not really doing that with kids, but we have been more aggressive about managing things like lymph node metastases in the neck.
0: Gotcha. What are the the biggest gaps? Do you see what, what what's uh, limiting us um, moving forward in the field? Or what would you like to see improvement?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot more that probably can be done um, in regards to research in pediatric-specific thyroid cancer, getting a better flavor and sense for looking into biomarkers, looking into uh, other genetic predispositions for the development of thyroid cancer. I think there's still a lot to be learned. And, you know, like Stephanie kind of alluded to, um, if we can do, you know, treatment options that are, you know, least toxic and have the lowest long-term effects, because we're treating kids of, you know, less than often teenage years, um, that would be best. And so I think there's a lot to still be learned.
0: Stephanie, what do you think?
2: I, I agree with everything Rachel said. I think, um, you know, I think that the small population, even nationally, it, as in all rare diseases, it makes it difficult to study. I think um, there are some nice national collaborations that are going on now that will hopefully be able to answer some of these basic biology questions to let us know how many patients would be potentially be treated with targeted therapy rather than more systemic treatments that could be more toxic. You know, I, I think there's a movement in uh, adult thyroid cancer to be able to minimize total thyroidectomies and, and be able to do lobectomies instead and maybe having a better understanding of some of those risk factors and some risk modeling to be able to help understand if there are patients in the pediatric age range that that would be appropriate for too. I think right now it's hard because the numbers are so small. We just don't have as, as many patients to be able to understand what that risk modeling would look like in that population.
0: Rachel, are there uh, advocacy groups or support groups that uh, are helpful for this disease?
1: You know, I I know a lot of people will connect online. Um, We haven't really set something like that up, but uh, I I do think that that's very helpful.
0: And Stephanie, do you think there are better opportunities from an educational standpoint just to sort of raise awareness?
2: I do. I think um, both awareness of medical professionals and just the community as as a whole would be very beneficial. And I, and I know frequently thyroid cancer can be dismissed by a lot of people, by by medical professionals, by other cancer uh, patients, as almost like cancer light type of thing. And and I know that uh, thyroid cancer, it's it, you end up being on thyroid replacement for the rest of your life. It is a chronic disease. It has a lot of emotional. and and physical effects, especially on teenagers that are going through that autonomy and and gaining really an understanding of themselves. And so um, support groups, I think are really important surrounding this, just like any other chronic disease and transition of care from pediatric to adult, I think is also very important, specifically on the endocrinology side of things where you know, if our patients stop taking their medication for whatever reason, their chances of their thyroid cancer coming back are much higher. So that that thyroid replacement is actually their their chemotherapeutic drug, which is what I try to explain, and it's super important. and that's really hard in that teenage population.
1: You know, I just want to kind of add on to that because I thought the way, you know, you said that was was so dead on, you know, it, it, it really needs to be looked at as a chronic disease. And that's one of the reasons we developed this thyroid hope is because we're following these patients longitudinally. They do, uh, you know, have a high chance of having problems like lymph node metastases, you know, down the line, which is why we'll do ultrasound screenings on them every three to six months. And um, luckily we have things like thyroglobulin, which we can track and trend, but it really is, you know, in my mind viewed as a chronic disease that, you know, we're looking at from then on.
0: And then I guess, uh, and I know, Stephanie, you have your interest in AYA and uh, from a a cancer standpoint, is this something where the plan is that much like congenital heart disease and pediatric populations, people will continue following really, you know, well into adulthood or do you anticipate there's a handoff at some point for, for your program?
1: You know, um, we haven't really handed off, but we do have some adult colleagues that are interested to help tag along. Um, and if the um, patient is interested in moving on to some adult care, we do have wonderful colleagues that, that do collaborate
0: with us. An opportunity for the Hope Center 2.0. That's
1: correct. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's really great work you, you guys are doing, and I uh, appreciate you guys uh, giving us some good insight today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much,
2: Dale.
0: To make a direct online referral to our Tosic Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancerpatientreferrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.